Number 140223, a reading of each of eight episodes. Episode 1, A Year with the Church Fathers. Clean out your heart before you pray. St. John Cassian, Conferences 9.3. Episode 2, Through the Year with Thomas Merton. Love of Ourselves, The Waters of Silo. Episode 3, Magnificat, February 2023, Volume 24, Number 12. Item number 1, a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, Chapter 8, Verses 14 through 21. Item number 2, Meditation of the Day, The Leaven of Grace. Episode number 4, God's Little Instruction Book, 1, 2, and 3. By Honor Books. Golden Nugget number one, inspired by John chapter 13, verse 35. Golden Nugget number two, inspired by Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Golden Nugget number three, inspired by Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17. Episode 5, Chesterson Day by Day. The Defendant, Episode 6, What More Do You Want? St. John Chrysostom, 4th Century. Episode 7, Reflection. Episode 8, Valentine's Day in Retrospect. Episode number 1, The Egyptian Abbot, Isaac, gave St. John Cassian some practical advice on praying. Before you start, get rid of all the things in your mind that will distract you from your prayers. To be able to offer our prayer with the earnestness and purity with which it ought to be offered, first, all anxiety about carnal things must be entirely gotten rid of. Next, we must leave no room for not just the care, but even the recollection of any business affairs, and likewise must also lay aside all backbitings, vain and incessant chattering, and buffoonery. Anger above all and disturbing depression must be entirely destroyed, and the deadly taint of carnal lust and covetousness be torn up by the roots. Then there must be laid the secure foundations of a deep humility, which may be able to support a tower that shall reach the sky. And next, the spiritual structure of the virtues must be built upon them, and the soul kept free from all conversation and from roving thoughts, so that thus it may, little by little, begin to rise to the contemplation of God and to spiritual insight. Whatever our mind has been thinking of before the hour of prayer, that thought is sure to occur to us while we are praying. For the mind in prayer is formed by its previous condition. When we are applying ourselves to prayer, the images of the same actions and words and thoughts as in previous condition will dance before our eyes. They will make us angry or gloomy or recall our former lust and business or make us shake with foolish laughter at some silly joke or smile at some action or fly back to our previous conversation. So, 
If we do not want anything to haunt us while we are praying, we should be careful before our prayer to exclude it from the shrine of our heart. In God's presence, consider, do distracting thoughts sometimes break in when I pray? How can I prepare myself better beforehand? Closing prayer. Father, let me approach you in prayer with a good conscience and cleanse my heart from every kind of pollution. Episode number two, Love of Ourselves. If you discover any kind of love that satiates you, it is not the end for which you were created. Any act that can cease to be joy is not the end of your existence. If you grow tired of love that you thought was the love of God, be persuaded that what you are tired of was never pure love, but either some act ordered to that love or else something without order altogether. The one love that always grows weary of its object and is never satiated with anything and is always looking for something different and new is the love of ourselves. It is the source of all boredom and all restlessness and all unquiet and all misery and all unhappiness. Ultimately, it is hell, the waters of Silo. Episode number three, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see, ears and not hear? And do you remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered him, Twelve. When I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand the gospel of the Lord? Meditation of the day, the leaven of grace. Grace is a principle of life. Final glorification has flowed from the love of the Father and has been bestowed upon the baptized by the Holy Spirit. The person has been sealed by the indwelling of the Spirit, who now gives the baptized a new direction and a new mind, the mind which is in Christ Jesus. The Holy Eucharist is precisely this new mind. Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In the Eucharist is realized the whole essence and meaning of creation of the redemption and of the return to the Father. Here is realized the whole essence of Christianity. God is made man in order that man might become God. This means that the kernel of our spiritual life shines forth in this most intimate reunion with God. Man becomes by grace what God is by nature. 
This is what we mean, as I've stated several times, by man's deification or his theosis. It is indeed the divinization of the whole human being and the realization of immortality that grants us God has done so in the reception of the body and blood of Christ. Because of this union with Christ, the Christian becomes fully alive with the Holy Spirit and with the infinite power of the love that breathes life wherever it enters. The measure of our communion and communication in this life is the measure of our possession of it. The Christian now knows with certainty that the anointing of the good news of Christ cannot be done by words alone. Verbalization about his faith will not convince anyone. His faith is a life. Life must be lived and its radiation gives life. The sign of credibility, especially in our own days, can only be acts which are not done simply to project some kind of good image, but which proceed from an interior conviction which inspires heroism in the service of others. Holy Communion, which is Christ himself living, teaching, inspiring, becomes this fire which sustains the Christian in such a life. Episode number four. It's good to be a Christian and know it, but it's better to be a Christian and show it. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one another. Inspired by John chapter 13, verse 35. Sorrow looks back, worry looks around, faith looks up. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Inspired by Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. A man is never worse company than when he flies into a rage and is beside himself. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Inspired by Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7. Episode number 5. The revolt against vows has been carried in our day even to the extent of a revolt against the typical vow of marriage. It is most amusing to listen to the opponents of marriage on this subject. They appear to imagine that the ideal of constancy was a joke mysteriously imposed on mankind by the devil. Instead of being as it is a yoke constantly imposed on all lovers by themselves. They have invented a phrase, a phrase that is black versus white, contradiction in two words, free love, as if a lover ever had been or ever could be. It is the nature of love to bind itself, and the institution of marriage merely paid the average man the compliment of taking him at his word. Modern sages offer to the lover, with an ill-favored grin, the largest liberties and the fullest irresponsibility. But they do not respect him as the old church respected him. They do not write his oath upon the heavens as the record of his highest moment. They give him every liberty except the liberty to sell his liberty, which is the only one that he wants, the defendant. Episode episode number six. What more do you want? 
I, your father, I, your spouse, I, your home, I, your nurse, I, your root, I, your foundation. Whatever you want, I will be. You will lack nothing. I will labor for you, for I came to serve and not to be served. I will be your friend and your host, uh, your head and your brother, your sister and your mother. I will be everything. Only be intimate with me. I will be poor for you, errant for you, on the cross for you, in the tomb for you. Above, I plead the Father for your sake. I become intercessor to the Father for your sake. You are everything for me, brother, co-heir, friend, and member. What more do you want? St. John Chrysostom, 4th century, episode number 7. Why do men leave one place and settle in another place? Primarily because they hope that they will be more fortunate in the other place. And in truth, from the worldly view of life and contentment, places can be different, better or worse. He who does not hope in a better life after death seeks a better sensual pasture in this life. But if we listen to the hearts of those men who were able to live in the so-called best places on earth, we will detect dissatisfaction, sorrow, and despair. They did not find that which they were seeking. They ate to excess in every place, and finally, still hungry, they looked death in the eye. But look at the Christian saints. They sought places with the least pastures, places that were arid, impassable and devoid of water, isolated and terrible places which attracted the least attention and for which no one competed. They considered every place on earth equally worthless, but they chose those places solely because they wanted to draw nearer in spirit and mind to their eternal homeland. And if one were to listen to their hearts, one would perceive joy and contentment. Episode number eight. I had just learned the other day regarding Valentine's Day that the real Saint Valentine was a third century Italian priest who was imprisoned and martyred for performing Christian marriages. According to legend, he had cured the daughter of his jailer of her blindness, later signing a paternal letter to her just before his death, as being from your Valentine. Do not ever forget Valentine's Day. 